Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Not a sighting, but hearing two very unusual Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Howls in the woods behind my property October 1st, shortly after midnight, full moon too. So it was almost like your classical horror movie script. I live in the town of New Portland, Maine. Lived in the Maine woods all my life, and I am very familiar with the sounds of local wildlife. It certainly weren't coyotes as I hear them mostly every night. Not Bigfoot-like sounds either, as I looked up on the internet. Two short howls about 20 seconds apart from each other. Canine in nature, but deeper and louder. Big lungs. Hard to determine the proximity could have been as far away as a half a mile from my property. But it sounded nearby nonetheless, and I had a strong gut reaction to better go inside, while I have never felt threatened by any wildlife sounds before. Just reporting this as backup in case there would be reports of sightings in this area. I also like to report a possible sighting that a friend told me. In August of 2016, early evening, he got chased out of a farm in Lexington, me, which is not too far from here. He is an avid hunter, and he described it as something way bigger than a bear or, uh, or a moose. He was alerted by his two rock wheelers in the back of his truck going in full panic mode when he saw something huge standing on two legs next behind a tree. 25th away in his rearview mirror. It then leapt on all fours toward his truck. He started the truck and bolted out of there, seeing the thing chase him in the mirror for a short while. Don't think he reported it as he still can't really accept what he saw and he doesn't like talking about it. I did not know about Dogman back then when he told me, just started researching after I heard the unusual howls I heard a couple of days ago. I hope this is useful to you. My experience was not a visual encounter, but hearing unusual howls, unusual enough to start searching the internet. 
I listened to the audios on the link you sent me. Honestly, what I heard was not alike any of those, although it came closest to the third audio, which sounded more like Coyote to me. What I heard was the howl being shorter in duration, but deeper and louder. Exactly this aspect suggests that it was bigger than a coyote, wolf, or dog. That and a gut feeling being very, very uncomfortable and feeling I need to go inside quickly. Like I said, I hear the coyotes almost every night around here. That howl was one time only, have not heard it since, and I am glad of that. The sighting in Lexington, 2016, was by a friend of mine. He told me once, just after it happened, but still can't come to terms with what he saw, and he'd rather not talk about it. I had never heard of Dogman back then. It wasn't until I started researching your site and other material two weeks ago that I connected the dots and realized it was probably what he had seen and what I might have heard. Altogether, I thought I reported as a confirmation in case of other reports in this area. When I think back to my high school days, a peculiar memory always comes to mind. It was a long time ago, but the events remain vivid in my mind, as if they happened just yesterday. One gloomy afternoon, my buddies and I received news of our friend's grandmother's passing. They lived in a secluded area far from the bustling city and surrounded by nature's embrace. It was a place where the wind whispered secrets and shadows danced in the moonlight. A week after the funeral, seeking solace and distraction, we decided to go fishing. As we cast our lines into the calm waters, laughter mingled with the gentle ripples of the lake. Little did we know that an eerie surprise awaited us upon our return. As we approached my friend's grandmother's house, our eyes widened with disbelief. The lights inside were inexplicably switched on. A chill crept up my spine and a sense of unease settled in the air. My friend confessed that this had been happening ever since his grandmother's passing. With a sense of duty mixed with trepidation, we entered the house and promptly turned off the lights. We decided to distract ourselves and head out to grab a bite to eat. An hour passed and as we returned, our hearts sank at the sight before us. The lights were on once again. Baffled and intrigued, we flicked the switches back to darkness, our minds spinning with possibilities. Could it be a faulty electrical system? Or perhaps an unexplained quirk of the house? Determined to uncover the truth, we ventured into every nook and cranny, clutching a gun for a false sense of security. But our search yielded no results. There was no trace of anyone within those walls. Years ago, me and five other people were drinking in the forest preserve. All but one of us were young men. This spot of preserve was surrounded by busy streets and had a large field with a creek that ran through the middle. The north part had a small patch of trees. They were very dense. If you walked ten feet in, you could not be seen from the street. We would park on residential streets and walk from the south and cross the creek. We felt like where we went into the trees, we could see any car or person coming way before they could see us. To the north was a busy intersection, a lot with a restaurant and large store and a parking lot that is closed after sundown. There is nowhere to easily park to the north, cemetery to the east, and no parking to the west. There are some houses to the northeast and northwest. We are in the woods drinking and being loud. The road noise covered us very well. At some point, one of us stops and is staring to the north. He whispers, someone is there. All I can see is the silhouette of legs through the trees. Someone walked through the whole patch of trees from the north to us, maybe ten feet into the woods on the south end of the trees. They're standing maybe fifteen to twenty feet away. We didn't hear anything. Someone saw the silhouette when headlights hit the woods for a second. We're standing there, all of us quiet. The person is not moving. They are standing still in the trees. Fallen trees are blocking most of them, but I can still see legs. We start to argue whether or not it's even a person. Finally, my friend shouts hello to the person. Not a sound or move. He starts to take a step and asks, Do you know what time it is? 
The person finally moves. I can see them walking back to the north slowly and quietly. They don't say a word, and very quickly we can no longer see them. We ran out of the woods and regrouped on the tree line to the south. We ended up finishing our beers and left an hour later. We did not go back into the woods that night. We never saw a car leave the lot or side street. I always figured they had to have walked from somewhere not near the woods. I also wondered what they were doing that six people didn't scare them off. A couple of us are big guys. It was the creepiest thing that has ever happened to me. As my friends and I were driving back home from the prom, we found ourselves on a secluded country road nestled amidst the Portland, Vancouver area. It was during this journey that I noticed something unsettling, something that sent a shiver down my spine, glimpsing at one of the houses along that road, an inexplicable sense of unease washed over me. The feeling was so strong that I couldn't shake it off. Curiously, I observed that this eerie sensation seemed to permeate most of the houses lining that street, creating an atmosphere of dread and foreboding. Although none of us initially mentioned it, I eventually confided in one of my friends, a remarkably perceptive empath who confirmed experiencing the same unsettling vibes. It was a relief to know that I wasn't alone in my apprehension. What struck me about these houses was their distinct appearance. They had a peculiar architectural style characterized by front yards that seemed to extend inward, creating an enclosed atmosphere. All of them followed a ranch-style design, and their front yards boasted gardens adorned with numerous small pine trees. I couldn't pinpoint whether it was the house's appearance alone or something more intangible that triggered such a strong reaction within me. However, the moment we left that road, an overwhelming sense of relief washed over me, gradually dissipating the haunting feeling that had plagued us. Nonetheless, the events of that night linger in my mind, leaving me with questions that demand answers. I wonder if anyone else has had a similar experience in that area. Has this phenomenon been observed by others? I'm open to hearing theories and explanations that could shed light on what caused these unsettling vibes and the palpable sense of dread we encountered that night. Not police or military, but a firefighter. I have two that I found creepy. The first was an old church that in the 70s a local business bought. They used it as file storage before the building was condemned, Foff not being livable. We got called for a remote alarm through a security company. A pretty standard call. Anyways, on arrival, we did a 360 walk around. Couldn't see anything, but found a few broken windows. So we make entry through the front and just walk around with just flashlights. The dust decaying rooms and creaking of wood from other teams walking was unsettling. Then the audible alarm sounded. Just about jumped out of our skin. We find the panel shut it off and as we turn around, two cops are standing behind us. One surprise jump and hearty laugh later and we were out having found nothing. The second was smoke in the building at a telecom relay house where they keep local servers for phone and internet. We were walking around, could smell electronics burning sea hazy smoke, but didn't find a fire. Additionally, the whole building had a very Stranger Things vibe that none of us could shake. During our two-month training stand at White Sands, New Mexico, my unit had an interesting experience that, while not particularly eerie, left us in awe. We were in the midst of a night range exercise, diligently shooting away, when suddenly it seemed as if someone had switched on a fairly bright light. Naturally, frustration arose among us because such brightness interferes with our night vision goggles, NVGs. But then, out of nowhere, a tremendous clap of thunder resonated through the air, halting our shooting and capturing our attention. Every soldier directed their gaze upward, trying to comprehend what had just occurred. 
What we witnessed was nothing short of extraordinary. A colossal meteorite had streaked through the atmosphere, exploding into fragments that illuminated the night sky with a brilliance akin to daylight. In that moment, our frustration melted away, replaced by pure amazement and wonder. The entire area was bathed in an ethereal glow, courtesy of this celestial spectacle. It served as a reminder of the vastness and unpredictability of the universe leaving an indelible mark on our memories. While it may not have been spooky, it was undoubtedly a breathtaking encounter with the grandeur of nature's cosmic dance. Long story short, I was walking my dog at night when I saw in the forest, lit up by the orange street lamps, what looked like a deer standing up. But when I looked at its head, I couldn't understand its face. As in, its head face was sort of shrouded in darkness, as if my mind couldn't comprehend what it was seeing. Strange, but explainable. Last night, years after that encounter, nothing strange had happened up to now. I was sleeping, my bedroom situated facing the road, with my windows open. I am normally a deep sleeper, but I woke up to the loud sound of bird noises. At first, I thought nothing of it, simply birds calling in the middle of the night. But over time, I noticed something. It's hard to describe, but it sounded as if about every five seconds or so, there would be a different bird call. And the calls weren't different sounds, as in certain birds make different pitched noises or hoot, etc. Instead, it was the same whistling noise. Not like a whistle blowing, but instead like the noise a songbird would sing but in different arrangements, for an hour straight. It was very loud, loud enough that I covered my head with two pillows and was still woken. It was just repeating the same fifty different calls or so in the same order. It was as if one type of bird was imitating the different calls it heard over, and over in the same order. The noise was about twenty-five feet away, coming from the thicket next to my house. There was no sound but the calling noise. No crickets chirped, no frogs called. Hell, no cars drove through the neighborhood. I also faintly remember the smell of rotten eggs, but this may have been a trick my panicked mind played on me. Eventually it stopped and I fell back asleep, terrified. I had kept my eyes tight shut. I woke up again about fifteen minutes later, hearing the sound seemingly further away, down the street, but again in the same exact order. Then later through the night I heard the noise again, either in the same spot as before and louder or right outside my window. I faced away from the window and kept my eyes shut, horrified but in such a tired state that I simply stayed put, not able to think of anything else. What the F was that? Does anyone have an explanation for this? I know my description may sound strange, but it's hard to put in words. All I know for sure was that it was not natural. This wasn't a bird, or crickets, or a frog. No, it was something else. Edit. Nah. I was wrong on that last part. After checking out a few links and watching a few videos, I think that it was a mockingbird. I've never heard or seen one before, and it was pretty scary hearing its noises right outside for hours, and having absolutely no idea what was making those noises. I'm happy now that I know I can keep a window open overnight. I guess this goes to show that a lot of things on this subreddit have rational explanations to them. It's important that we criticize and try to explain stories here so that we can find what truly is irrational and try to come to an answer about these things. On a routine patrol on my Coast Guard cutter in the Eastern Pacific, late at night a few hundred miles, offshore, I'm on the helm and the late night bridge watch conversations are the usual. People telling a few spooky stories. The radio crackles suddenly and everyone shuts up since it's monitoring channel 16, which is international hailing in distress. We get static for 20 or 30 seconds, then singing. Someone is singing nonsensibly into their radio. It stops. After a while, and we all kind of freak out. Later in the watch, the bridge windshield wipers turned on on their own. 
The ocean at night is weird. My wife, my daughter, and I joined our troop for a Cub Scout Halloween event at a Boy Scout camp in Colorado. It's a large hilly area tucked away in the canyons. There are lots of campsites up the hill, but further down the road are some cabins. We were allowed to stay there for the night since it's more comfortable than tents. Well, these cabins are about a one-quarter mile away from any of the other buildings or tent areas. So we are nowhere near the rest of the group, and it's just the three of us in the cabin. We get ready for bed, and as I'm starting to fall asleep, I realize how eerily quiet it is. It is completely still outside. No wind, uh, no rustling of trees, etc. Well, I eventually fall asleep. I'm then awoken very suddenly by a scream inside the room. I sit up and ask my wife if she is okay. She responds yes and checks on our daughter. She is fine. It is now dead quiet again. No noise. The screen is gone. So in a panic, I start walking around the room in the dark. Nothing in the room but us. Maybe it came from outside. So I peek out the window and out the front door. No movement. Nothing. But it's pitch black. I can't see anything. Time to buck up the courage, grab my phone as a flashlight, and go check outside. I stand there frozen for a minute and finally work myself up to grab my phone and go outside. I grab my phone, turn on the screen, and see a Halloween update alert from the Simpsons mobile game. What I heard was Homer Simpson screaming from my phone because one of my buildings was done in the Simpsons game. Needless to say, I uninstalled that game and haven't played it since. It took a good two hours for my wife and I to call back asleep. My girlfriend and I were fishing at a stone quarry in Sugar Grove, Illinois, on May 5, 1988, that was pretty much surrounded by cornfields and some small patches of light forest and shrubbery. The sun had just set, and we were behind stone walls inside the small quarry, so it was getting darker a little faster. On one side of the quarry, the stone wall was elevated 40 feet. That is the side we face while fishing, while the area behind us slowly rose to a cornfield edged by shrubbery and small trees. The edge of the trees and shrubbery is about 15 to 20 yards behind us. We were sitting on the edge of the water, contemplating packing up, when all of a sudden we heard this very loud roar, and I mean loud. It made us both jump up instantly. It roared, howled, again. I could see the outline of a creature with a large head and large eyes. I grabbed my flashlight and shined it at the creature. It had very large, greenish-orangish oval eyes. It roared again, and you could see very large predator, like teeth. Then it moved through the trees and shrugged so fast we could not see it move until it was at its next destination. Then it roared again. It had a roar that was not like anything that lives on this planet, especially in Illinois. I can still mimic the sound that it made. It was very scary. The creature was at its closest ten yards and maybe fifty yards at its furthest. The eyes reminded me of a large reptile. The next day, I went back with my friend to see if I could see anything or any signs of anything. I could not see anything such as tracks or broken limbs. Nothing. My buddy and I started fishing. We were there about an hour when it started to get dark again. We packed up and started to walk up the short path to my jeep when we both stopped in our tracks. Coming across the cornfield at treetop level was a craft. It had several lights on it, and it had a large light that shined on us for a few seconds. Then it made a 45-degree turn and went out of the atmosphere in the blink of an eye. The craft we saw did not have a sound. We were pretty much surrounded by the stone quarry. We could hear a pin drop on the other side, but this craft did not have a sound. I can't explain this, but we were hunting 20, five years ago, and we found a white-tailed deer frozen into a river by his feet. Where it gets weird is this animal was cut in half. His rear end was missing, but it was how clean the cut was. It had looked like it was done with a bandsaw. 
Also, the animal had been gutted like it was cleaned out with an ice cream scoop. Completely cleaned. No blood trail. No guts. Just a half a deer frozen in the ice eyes wide open. Missing its entire backside. I've got no explanation for this, and I really don't even want to think about this anymore, as we still can't fathom what happened. My property is pretty old. We bought it from an old couple who gave up on it after a tornado destroyed the silos, barns, and a couple sheds. We spent years fixing it back up, but only one of the barns got rebuilt. The other is still collapsed. The shed is worn down and the door is blown out, which makes it always scary walking by a dark shed with an empty opening. The silo fell over and is next to the shed, which is across from the two barns. All of this was on my walk to a deer stand in furthest field in the back of my property. I was a freshman in college at the time and hunted until it went dark. I left the stand and started quietly walking back. I always had an eerie feeling walking by the torn down barns, but at night it's always way worse. I forgot to mention there's an old well with a concrete slab on top of it, but the concrete siding had a hole always gave me the chills. As I was walking by the well in barns with everything super quiet, I all of a sudden jolted my eyes to the fence along the field by the shed. I had heard a chain whipping sound and faint, giddy laughter. When I looked up, I saw two men in prison gang garments, white and black striped suits, quickly galloping away from me, thank God, alongside the fence. Both were laughing and had chains on their hands and feet. I quickly fell to the ground and loaded my rifle in terror. I looked through my scope where I saw them running alongside last. It was the biggest field on our property, so they had another 100 yards to go alongside the fence before they hit the woods, but they were gone. I laid there searching for ten long minutes before chalking it up to being sleep-deprived from the morning hunt. I've never had experienced something so real, but I must have imagined it. Not hunting, but a wood story that changed my view of the world as a teenager. Up the street from my childhood house was a couple trails. I had a four-wheeler and would ride the trails all day. One day I'm riding and I get this random horrible feeling, so I stop and get off of the ATV and start walking up the trail. Well, some asshole put a piece of fishing line across the trail that would have easily took my head off. I'm guessing the pit feeling in my chest was being watched or I subconsciously noticed the fishing line. I have no idea why I stopped that day and it's baffled me ever since, but it honestly changed my life forever. I was walking my dog, a black and white pity or retriever mix outside before putting him to bed around 11 p.m. It's very dark as there is a lot of wooded areas around my apartment complex. I usually walk him about half a mile or so out from the complex to a stop sign and light post at the end of the street which borders on the woods. Usually there is nothing out of the ordinary, just woods and the normal animals like squirrels and the occasional deer. Sometimes there's that weird heavy feeling like something is watching you intently, but I mostly ignore it, and we cut our walk short and head home since a brief scan of the area shows nothing is there. Tonight there was that heavy, watched feeling again, but when I scanned the woods there was something there. A dog with glowing yellow eyes that looked exactly like my dog under the heart-shaped white spot on his chest, standing just past the tree line, staring directly at us. It looked like it could be his twin, but there was just something off about it that invoked that feeling of run. My dog definitely saw it, too, and was whining and staring at it hard. Usually, my dog is reactive to other large dogs, but he seemed more scared than anything else and wanted to get away, which is very abnormal behavior for him. After seeing it, I fought that run feeling him walked quickly but casually back into the gated area and home. 
without looking back, but listening very hard for anything coming behind or to the sides of us. Instinctively, it felt like the safe thing to do. I don't know why. It seemed like it didn't follow, but who knows? I do know that I will be skipping nighttime walks for a while. That's for sure. Any ideas on what that might have been? Google was not much help. We live in North Georgia at the base of the Appalachians, but I didn't grow up here, so I'm not sure of local folklore for the most part. I appreciate you reading this, and sorry if the format is weird. I'm on mobile. When I was about 19, I went duck hunting and flooded hardwood timber along the Wisconsin River. It was November at the time, and it was about 15 Fahrenheit. 10 Celsius. Out, most of the local lakes had frozen over so ducks were thick along this section of the river. I had a 12-foot boat and a 10-horse motor, which was perfect for getting around between the tree trunks. But I parked the boat in the trees and set my decoys out in a little clearing. The water amongst the trees is about two feet deep, and it deepens to about three feet or so in the clearings. I'd finished setting up my decoys this morning at about 5 a.m., it was split pea soup, foggy, and leaves were being blown across the water. I was standing about thigh deep in the water on the edge of the trees. Now bear in mind that it's dark. My eyes were adjusted enough that I could see faint outlines, and that's about it. Suddenly, about 45 minutes before dawn, I noticed some large ripples in the water around my decoy spread. I got excited thinking that a duck I hadn't noticed had swum into my spread. However, the ripples started getting more agitated and suddenly started heading towards me very quickly. I started backing up as quickly as I could and trying to get my gun off my shoulder strap. I hit a log and sat down on it hard, almost going over backwards. The ripples suddenly turned into a splash and suddenly a huge. His otter has his front paws on my knees, his face about three inches from my own. He hisses at me and I thought I was about to get mauled. After what felt like an eternity of him staring me down, he slips off me and circles the log a few times, before joining what I could now see were four other otters about twenty feet away, looking at this ordeal. After this fantastic occurrence, I sat on the log for about twenty minutes, before pulling myself together and wading back to my hunting spot at the edge of the clearing. My name is Emily, and I've always had a deep love for the wilderness. Becoming a park ranger was a dream come true. I had envisioned my days filled with fresh air, breathtaking vistas, and the gentle rustle of leaves, but nothing could have prepared me for what awaited at Hollow Pines National Park. It started innocently enough. The park superintendent assigned me to the Hollow Pines Ranger Station. As I drove deeper into the forest, the towering pines seemed to close in around me. The isolation was palpable, and the deafening silence only intensified my unease. It was like the forest held its breath, waiting. The ranger station itself was a relic of the past, a wooden structure with peeling paint and a sagging roof. Inside, the air was heavy with the weight of years gone by, and the walls seemed to echo with secrets. The previous rangers had left abruptly, leaving behind half-finished cups of coffee, personal effects scattered about, and journals filled. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. With cryptic entries, 
I tried to dismiss the sense of foreboding that settled over me as I settled into my new home. Each night I would sit by the creaking fireplace, poring over the old journals. The stories they contained were haunting, tales of shadows that moved on their own, eerie whispers in the wind, and a feeling of being constantly watched. My fellow rangers had written of inexplicable fear that had gnawed at their sanity. One particularly chilling entry described a night when the forest came alive. Trees bent and twisted in unnatural ways, their branches forming grotesque shapes. The wind carried strange voices that seemed to speak directly into the ranger's mind. It was as though the forest itself had a malevolent consciousness. As the days turned into weeks, I couldn't shake the feeling of being observed. The isolation was overwhelming. One evening, as I sat reading an old journal, I heard a voice, soft and delicate, it whispered my name, Emily. My heart raced as I searched the empty room, finding nothing amiss. I told myself it was my imagination playing tricks on me, but the whispers continued. They followed me wherever I went, faint and barely audible, but undeniably there. Emily, the voice seemed to come from the very walls of the ranger station, as if the building itself held a dark secret. The nights grew longer, and my sleep was plagued by nightmares. I would dream of twisted trees with gnarled branches reaching out to grasp me, their roots pulling me down into the earth. In my dreams, I could hear the voices of the previous rangers, their faces twisted in agony, warning me to leave before it was too late. One stormy night, the forest unleashed its fury. Thunder rumbled overhead, and lightning tore through the sky. The wind howled like a wounded beast and rain pounded on the roof of the ranger station. It was then that I heard it, a chilling cry that rose above the storm, a cry that was not of this world. I grabbed a flashlight and ventured outside, my heart pounding in my chest. Through the rain and darkness I saw them, shadowy figures moving among the trees, their forms flickering in and out of existence. The whispers grew louder an unintelligible cacophony of voices that seemed to come from all directions. In a panic, I stumbled back into the ranger station and locked the door. The voices followed me, seeping through the walls, invading my mind. I felt myself losing control, my thoughts slipping away. It was as though the forest itself had claimed me. I don't know how long I remained trapped in that nightmare, but when I awoke, the storm had passed and the forest was silent once more. I packed my belongings and left the Hollow Pines Ranger Station, leaving behind the haunted memories that still haunt my dreams. To this day, I can hear the whispers faint but persistent. They follow me wherever I go, a reminder of the malevolent force that lurks within the Hollow Pines National Park, a force that will never let go of its hold on those who dare to enter its domain. I always loved being up in the woods of Washington. The cold, frigid air cuts through my clothes and makes my bones cold. The kind of cold that makes your soul take a deep breath. I muster my strength upon a steep incline through these woods. I keep on telling myself one more step is all I need. When you know you're in a tight spot, you always encourage or for myself. I lie to myself. Helps keep me going. I turn around as I finally reach the campsite and welcome the achievement of life that I'm at. The sun is now going down and I pitch up my three-step pop-up tent. I begin to crawl into my half-made tent like a dog runs to its kennel after being awake all day. I take my baby wipes out and begin bird bathing myself. Even though I am freezing, I know sweat is all over my body, especially the amount of layers I wear currently. Jeans off, jacket off, sweater off, socks off, shorts off. Ah, uh, I feel relaxed and refreshed cleaning myself off after this eight-hour trek through the woods of Mount St. Helens. I open my map and begin to chart my next destination in dreams of Mount Rainier after St. Helens. Crack, I pause and carefully peek out my tent liner. I don't see anyone or anything. I lay down enjoying the nature around me and begin to drift off.
Crack, I sit up and open my liner, and I see a face. Ah, heart-pounding, and this pale white man runs across my tent into the tree line. I began looking through my bag to find bear mace and my camping axe. I clutch it with white knuckles as hard as I can, and I step out my tent. I turn around and see a ring of men in black robes around my campsite staring at me. I run into my tent and phone for the park rangers. Rangers pick up, and I scream, help. I'm being stalked. There's dozens of people around me. Please get here as fast as possible. I stay in my tent, staring at my phone with every minute passing by. I become more fearful, breathing speeding up with every breath, anxiety shaking my body. All I hear is who phoned for the rangers. I bolt out of my tent to see two rangers on. Four wheelers armed with hunting rifles. I look and no one is around us, just me and the rangers. I hop on their four-wheeler and one hour later I get returned to their office. I get handed a bulky camera and I cycle through the photos. Pictures of me throughout my hike were taken. Distant shots and pics of me even urinating outside. Till this day, I don't go to the woods near Mount St. Helens. I'm a retired guy in his late 60s who lived in upper northeast Pennsylvania, close to the New York border, in an area known as the Endless Mountains, near Forkston Mountain, in Wyoming County. I've lived there for 25 years. I moved south in 2020. My property was too large for one guy to care for because I lived alone. These beings let me know their presence only two days after moving in. I bought my acreage in the 1980s and then built the house later. I lived on a dirt road and had two neighbors, one on each side of me, both a quarter mile away. There's a pond and swamp 200 yards down from the house, and on the other side of the pond is a small open area and the beginning of a rugged set of woods. There was a field on one side of the house and woods. Across the road was a small open area and a mile-long section of woods. That was their area, the Sasquatch people. Of course, make no mistake, this was the wilderness and I lived alone. So I really didn't want any interactions with them, although they tried really hard to have it with me. I saw all the different wildlife there, including a bear hybrid, wild dogs, and a puma, which I had on trail cam three times. I also had a backyard sighting after a few years of living there. I was able to get an old jeep along with a tractor and brush cutter and proceeded to make jeep trails on over 200 acres. The trails went through the woods, fields, and hills. It was not all my land, but with the permission of the other landowners, I was able to make some awesome trails. My first suspicions of weird stuff going on were when trees started being pushed down and across the trails in various places. But it wasn't one tree, it was multiple trees being pushed down in the same spot. They were live trees, not rotten ones. In one section of the trail over the years, it happened at least 10 to 12 times with a 20-foot section of trail, and it would happen from one day to the next, with no wind or storms. Fast forward to 2009, when my daughter and family flew in from Phoenix for a visit. Living in the desert, my grandson and granddaughter never saw the woods, so we wanted to hike into the woods about 100 yards down from the pond dam. My daughter was snapping pictures with a good quality digital camera while we descended down a ravine and we crossed over a small stream and up the other side. Suddenly, my seven-year-old grandson, who was autistic, took off through the woods running away from us. I go and chase him. Enclosed are photos related to our walk. The first photo she took was on our descent down the ravine. She never noticed a small forest being standing down by the stream until she looked closely at the photo a few months later. The little guy was about 50 to 60 yards down from us, just next to the creek. He looks only to be about two and a half feet tall. He looks partially cloaked. The second photo of him is through a filter. The other photo shows why I think my grandson took off running. He must have sensed or seen the shadow being or a cloaked forest being and got scared. That is not a smudge in the camera. A few months after my daughter's visit, I was cruising the trail alongside those same woods. And as I was cruising by, I saw a partially cloaked being in the same woods. 
It was much larger than the one in the photo. It looked like it was gliding through the woods, not bobbing up and down like we do when we walk. It was large and dark. I retired in 2012, so I was spending all my time home and around the property. This is when all the crazy stuff started happening. In August 2012, I had a daylight UFO sighting through binoculars. It was in the evening after dinner, and I was in my off-roader, cruising around the pond. I saw this very large, bright, gold, silent, V-shaped craft in the sky. It was not a stealth jet or a triangular-shaped craft, but a V-shaped craft. I stopped the vehicle, grabbed my binoculars, and watched it until it went out of sight over the hill. A few days later, I found two barefoot prints down on the pond dam. No human in the right mind would walk in that area barefoot. I could not stop thinking about the UFO and the possible connection. I had thoughts that Sasquatch was a really intelligent being. About a week later, I would make two wood knocks for five straight evenings just after it turned dark. I would go out on the front porch and swing it two times on the porch posts. It echoed really well. There were no replies, but be careful what you wish for. That was the beginning for me. A few days later, I heard two knocks from the woods from across the dirt road. Then again the next day. That wasn't all that happened. I heard loud, bizarre screaming sounds twice during the day coming from those same woods. I was the only one around during the day because the neighbors worked. To confirm what I heard, my friend's 90-year-old mother, who lived under a mile away, heard the same scream on the same day. My friend is aware of these beings also. He had a sighting on his property, and I heard of another sighting about half a mile away as well. I was friendly with one of my other neighbors, and he told me his sister was visiting for a week. While sitting on the back porch at night, she heard a very loud knock coming from the woods below the house. The next day, I went outside and heard a tree crashing down in the woods. I also told my other neighbor about these beings because he had two young kids and to never let them out and about at night. He snickered a bit, but he knew I was serious and got the message. I also heard strange hoots coming from the woods across from me in the middle of the day. It was not an owl. It went on for at least ten minutes. I knew it had to be them. One nice fall evening, I was watching TV in my living room with the front windows open. Suddenly, I heard very loud speaking coming from the woods across the road. It overpowered the TV sound. It was just garbled speech, and I couldn't understand a word. I jumped up and ran out onto the front porch, but saw nothing. It was all starting to creep me out, especially because I was living alone. I decided not to have interactions with them. I also had weird things going on in my house. I don't think it was a Sasquatch. I could be wrong. But it was frightening. One morning during the spring of 2013, I noticed two gifts left for me in the, the front yard. My daughter was also aware of some of the activities. She took a photo of a Sasquatch that was about 100 feet or so from where she was standing. There were so many unexplained things happening around there that I eventually decided to sell the property and move elsewhere. My daughter was also concerned for my safety. I may later go into detail with you about the other activity and things I witnessed. I'd embarked on a camping expedition along the picturesque shoreline of Alaska as part of my field work. Although my intention was not hunting, the allure of the untamed wilderness and the serenity it offered drew me to this remote location. As the sun began to set, casting an amber hue across the rugged landscape, I settled into my campsite, ready to embrace the tranquility of the night. Fatigue gradually enveloped me, and I found myself drifting into a deep slumber. The rhythmic lullaby of the waves crashing against the shore served as a soothing backdrop, lulling me further into the realm of dreams. Unbeknownst to me, danger lurked in the darkness, silently awaiting its moment to disrupt the peaceful ambience. In the heart of the night, a sudden eruption shattered the tranquility. A deep, angry grunting sound reverberated through the stillness, tearing me from my sleep-induced bliss. Instinctively, my hand shot out, searching for the comforting familiarity of my bear spray, a vital companion in the untamed wilderness of Alaska. 
The adrenaline coursing through my veins drowned out the pounding of my heart as I raised my voice, bellowing, Hey bear! Yet to my dismay, the menacing sound persisted, unyielding and relentless. Time seemed to stretch agonizingly as the grunts resonated with an air of hostility hanging heavy in the nocturnal air. Dread clutched at my core, and the realization dawned upon me that there could be the end, an encounter with a formidable predator that could shatter the tranquility of this night forever. Just as despair began to tighten its grip, a sudden disruption broke through the tumultuous symphony of grunts. A colossal splash echoed in the darkness, rippling across the surface of the water. The source of the mysterious growls was revealed, a sea lion, its powerful presence cutting through the veil of fear that had enveloped me. Relief washed over me like a tidal wave, mingled with a tinge of embarrassment at my initial misinterpretation. The sea lion, perhaps startled by my presence or simply expressing its territorial nature, had unwittingly caused my heart to race and my thoughts to plunge into a state of panic. It was a powerful reminder of the untamed beauty and unpredictability of the natural world. As the sea lion's growls dissipated into the night, I was left with a newfound appreciation for the serenity that camping in Alaska offered, tinged with a lingering unease. The memory of that fateful night would forever be etched in my mind, a testament to the raw power and primal instincts that reside in even the most seemingly innocuous creatures of the wild. And as I lay there with the echoes of the sea lion's growl fading into the distance, I silently vowed never to underestimate the symphony of nature again. I was turkey hunting, fall gobbler, I think, if I recall correctly. Anyway, I was walking to my spot in my orange and had just started to tuck it away. For non-hunters, turkey can see color, so the regulation states that hunters need to wear 250 square inches of orange while moving, but you can take it off and just wear a regular camo when you get to your spot. In my mind, Matt Zone, you just need to put some orange somewhere within 15-ish feet of you to let other hunters know you're in the area and to be vigilant. Anyway, I just finish up stowing my orange away and sit down and start using my call. I eventually hear something coming from a ways away and it's calling back to me. Another hen, boy turkey gobble, girl turkey make a squeaky chucking noise like irk irk. As the sound gets closer, I start to think that it sounds too big to be a turkey. Maybe it's a small flock. I go to call again and a shot goes off far to close to me and I shit bricks. I had not seen anyone come in nor had I seen any orange hanging in a tree to signify someone else was hunting there so I, I thought I was pretty isolated. Another shot goes off closer and the chucking call starts back up. Now I'm certain of two things. One, there is no turkey. They would have scattered if nearby because of the shots. Two, I have an idiot out here trying to stalk me thinking I'm a turkey and he's following my calls and shooting blind or seeing me move and assuming I'm a bird. Either way, I'm shitting bricks. I decide to yell out a butt. I'm not a bird. Quit shooting and another shot goes off. I'm terrified to so much as wiggle a finger at this point because I can't see this guy. But I know he's shooting in my direction and trigger happy. I'm sitting there hollering that I'm a human and contemplating the idea of moving to grab my orange and wave it to signify to this guy that he's shooting at a person when a third shot goes off and I actually hear the BBs hitting shit near me. I hit the deck and laid flat for like two hours, absolutely shitting myself until I was sure they were gone. For any non-hunters out there, this is a known issue within turkey hunting because you need to remove your visibility orange and because you are calling as an attractant, some assholes will attempt to stalk what they think is a turkey and end up stalking another hunter and in their idiot fervor, they shoot at the first thing that moves, say another hunter itching their nose. A good number of people had died that way and it made me swear off turkey hunting.
My encounter happened in July of 1996 in the Trinity Mountains of Northern California. My roommates and I are up for summer break from Humboldt State University, and we decided to go backpacking for the weekend, as we often do. We originally planned to visit the Ruth Lake Trailhead, but it was raining hard, and our group decided to ask the rangers at the forest station where there was a good place to hike. My roommates from the Los Angeles area decided to be smart asses to the ranger, at which I was mortified as my dad spent many summers as a park ranger in Crater Lake, Oregon, and Mount Rainier. Washington, I remember the ranger taking offense, and I saw a gleam in his eyes when he pointed out a nice hike for you all. He sent us to a trailhead in the Trinity Alps. I only recall this after the encounter, racking my brain to try and figure out how we ended up in such a surreal situation. We hiked about five miles up Steed Canyon and found a flat piece of real estate next to the Raging Creek. There were some nice granite slabs that we hung out on and bathed from that afternoon, careful not to get swept away by the swollen creek. At around ten that night, we were sitting around a pre-existing campfire on some logs that had been arranged around it in a square. We had all heard voices of what we thought were some people approaching our camp from above. We got ready to greet other backpackers, but realized that they were coming from the top of the mountain down a very steep slope, not the trail that followed the creek of the canyon. Their voices were deep and sounded like the samurai chatter, as I've heard it described in other accounts. I couldn't understand it, of course, but the tone was unmistakable. Basically, someone is in our territory, and we're not happy about it. I directed my crappy flashlight after silhouettes as they skirted our campsite and caught a pair of eyes locked on me. They were whitish, yellow, large, and far apart. My reaction was one of disbelief in the basic mindset that I seemed to adopt for the rest of the encounter, which I now suppose to be a survival instinct that helped me keep my sanity. Is now this isn't really happening to me. I kept telling myself this over and over throughout the encounter. I swung my flashlight off the spot, and then when I came back to it, the eyes were gone. Just then, the stomping and hooting began, slow at first and then building to a crescendo. The ground shook with every stomp. We all shared looks of shock and disbelief, and at that moment, I experienced the worst fear of my life. I resigned myself to the fact that I would probably die soon when the stomping and hooting finally stopped. I assumed the voice to be the male as it was deep and commanding. It barked some orders, and I thought they were now about to attack. Below us were the higher-pitched sounds of the females who responded to the orders. A few moments later, we heard huge splashes in the creek from upstream. Either they were throwing huge boulders into the creek or jumping into it. Their voices were excited now, like a party or celebration. Then it went silent, maybe a minute or two later. We then heard the siren, like scream from the top of the canyon. I could feel it reverberate in my chest. I've had people try to convince me that these were just some people playing a prank on us. I always respond that there was no way a human can hike up that mountain that fast in pitch blackness. I also don't think anyone can scream that loud even with amplification. Whatever made that noise was massive. It sounded like the cross between a lion and Tarzan, and it seemed to be proclaiming its dominance over the region. I was just relieved that I was still alive and that they had moved farther away. After a while, I lay down in my tent. I heard something walking outside and pulled my sleeping bag from my ears. My tent mate asked if I'd heard anything, but I was still in the this-can't-be-happening mode, so I replied no. Just then, the campfire went dark with the silhouette of the creature. I literally choked on my scream, petrified to make any noise. I could only watch the shadow as I was completely paralyzed. I remember its fingers groping the seam of the zipper and its breath pushing the tent fabric in and out. I can think, but my body couldn't move. I thought I should grab my camera, but was paralyzed with fear. I also remember getting the sensation that the creature knew I was aware of it, and scared to death. I must have passed up from fear. I don't remember anything after that until I woke up at daybreak. I searched the area with a very new perspective that morning and found the hair that I've since misplaced. I also noticed the trail had deep impression. 
but no clear tracks. Other than that, there was no trace of our encounter that night. I've never been shy about telling my story. I will always recount the episode when requested even in potentially skeptical audiences. I've never really worried about what people thought of my account. I know what I encountered even if I didn't get a good look at the creatures. I've endured some ridicule, but I'm not afraid to stand up for what I believe, and all who challenge me go away, assured that I'm speaking the truth. They may not believe it, but they all tell me they believe that what happened to me actually occurred. The thing that gets me sometimes is the sounds. Sometimes you'll just hear some animal and it sounds like nothing you've ever heard before. And you can't imagine it being anything like any animal you've ever even heard of. That combined with pitch blackness of the woods can creep you the F out. Worst one was a couple months ago sitting under a tarp because it was raining a bit. Small fire going a bit away with no other light. Heard a sound with a rhythm you would expect from a bird, but with a deeper sound than any bird ever. Sound continues to repeat every couple seconds and slowly gets louder like it's getting closer, then stops. Never heard it again, but those couple minutes until I convinced myself it was gone, I was creeped the F out, no doubt. I'm really late to the thread, but one of the dads in my scout troop spent some time doing photography for National Geographic. He would hike out to remote places alone and take photos for a few days. Well, one time he was developing his photography and he saw a bunch of photos of him sleeping. He said he quit shortly after that. Growing up on a farm, I was well acquainted with the strict nature of my father. He was a man of unwavering principles, and one rule he held steadfastly was to keep me away from the nearby forest. As a curious child, I often found myself yearning to explore the mysterious depths of those towering trees. But my father's warning echoed in my mind like an unyielding command. The reason behind his strictness was a story that haunted our farm, a story whispered among the locals. Bigfoot, an elusive creature, had been making appearances near our land, causing distress and wreaking havoc. Animals, it was said, had fallen victim to its voracious appetite, but my father, in his usual stern manner, provided no further details. He spoke of the incidents in vague terms, leaving the specifics of the stolen animals shrouded in uncertainty. It had been a year and a half since those mysterious encounters began, casting a shadow of fear and apprehension over our lives. The mere mention of Bigfoot sent shivers down my spine, and my father's protectiveness intensified as he sought to shield me from the perceived danger lurking in the forest depths. Yet as I grew older, my curiosity mingled with a longing to unravel the truth behind the tales that swirled around us. The forest beckoned to me, its ancient trees whispering secrets that begged to be discovered. Despite my father's stern warnings, I couldn't suppress the desire to challenge his restrictions and venture closer to the forbidden realm. One fateful day, driven by a mix of fear and fascination, I made my way toward the edge of the forest. The air was heavy with anticipation, a palpable sense of the unknown that enveloped me. With each step, I felt my heart pounding in my chest, a symphony of excitement and trepidation echoing in my ears. As I neared the forest's boundary, a strange sensation washed over me, a mingling of awe and reverence. The canopy of trees above seemed to create a sanctuary of mystery, shielding the secrets within from prying eyes. It was within this ethereal space that Bigfoot had allegedly roamed, leaving a trail of uncertainty in its wake. Silently I pressed on, my senses attuned to every rustle and whisper in the undergrowth. The forest seemed to hold its breath, as if aware of my intrusion. The stolen animals lingered in my thoughts, their fate and the purpose behind their abduction, a riddle yet to be solved. In the depths of the forest, time seemed to blur. 
the boundaries between reality and myth blending into one. My eyes darted from shadow to shadow, searching for any signs of Bigfoot's presence. Each snap of a twig sent my heart racing, my imagination conjuring images of the elusive creature lurking just out of sight. But as I ventured deeper into the forest's embrace, a realization began to take hold. The stories that had haunted our farm were nothing more than fragments of folklore woven into the fabric of our collective consciousness. The stolen animals, the fear that gripped us, all seemed to lose their hold on my mind. In that moment, standing amidst the tranquil beauty of nature, I understood the significance of my father's strictness. It was not solely driven by the fear of a mythical creature, but rather a father's love. An earnest attempt to shield his daughter from the dangers that lurked beyond our known world. 